Welcome to Two Shades of Brown. Two Shades of Brown is a weekly podcast about being brown. Not not really, actually. Two Shades of Brown is a technology podcast, and yes. this is our pilot episode. I'm Christian Colocho, and my co-host is... Sadik Safe, and we'll be talking about tech companies and what, what the hell they're up to. So let's start with our, our favorite of the day, Apple. So what's Apple up to, Christian? So Apple, yeah, they uh, this week they dropped the public betas for El Capitan, latest OS ten release. Yeah, which I guess depending on your accent is a very different way of how you pronounce it. El Capitan, El Capitan, El Capitan, or El, El Capitan. Like I guess it depends on how what part of the world you're from. I like I don't understand. That's a very non-Apple name. Like it, it doesn't sound very easy to pronounce and. Well, it makes sense if you think about it like this. Yosemite is a park, right, in California, yeah. and El Capitan is in Yosemite. So it's like he's a whole entire go for it, right? It's like yeah. trying to go for a snow, I, like I used to, I, a snow leopard. I used to like their cats naming theme, but I guess they ran out of good cats. I mean, they always have the Thundercats. They wow. always just start naming it off of like fictional characters. I mean, they could do Power Rangers or whatever. I don't know. But Power Rangers aren't cats, though. But still, the whole entire it's like a callback to Snow Leopard, right? Though because in like Leopard, Snow Leopard, and it's the release is going to be about fixing bugs and just general improving the OS. Yeah, and so all that I, don't, sort of I, stuff. I don't, I don't use OS X, so I'm not too into. But iOS nine, though, on the other hand, is is very interesting because it's it's finally getting some of that stuff that you get get with Google now. So the personalization with uh, Siri and uh, basically using your data to make judgment calls like calendars, all that kind of stuff. So, are you excited? Well, I was that it brings the multitasking stuff for iPad, so which is fantastic. I mean, it finally makes the iPad kind of useful. I mean, yeah. the iPad was already useful because it actually is the only tablet with like good apps, right? But it makes it <laughs> useful in like in terms of like now it can compete with like a cheap netbook or whatever and actually replacing your computer. iPad, I mean like the problem with an iPad is um, before you would you would have one, the only thing you can really do is like type with, if you have a keyboard and do like a document. Other than that, there's no real uh, Productivity, like you could make music, but that's something different. But well, me too. Even like iOS nine adds like keyboard shortcuts, right? So alt tabbing yeah. and all that keyboard fun stuff. Shortcuts. Works. Keyboard shortcuts. We're going full circle. So we we go to mobile OS where we simplify things, and then we add stuff like keyboard shortcuts in and multitasking. Well, I mean, we already had the um, like an iOS four or five. It might have been six. It added the four fingers swipe gestures, which are like essentially the keyboard shortcuts, right? So if you like wanted to swap back and forth from apps, you would just do like four fingers from one edge of the screen. Yeah, I never use gestures uh, on, on iOS to be honest, except for no, I don't use any gestures. Well, I mean, on the iPhone, there's not that many. It's not as gesture based, right? Unless no. you go to like the weird third party apps, like. Um, clear that note-taking app and all that other stuff? I mean, it's iOS 9 is basically like, basically improving like Siri. Because Siri has been ignored since the last few releases, really. It's been sort of the same since it came out. And they're finally 
deciding to improve it. Well, I mean, if you, um, I can't remember the exact conference it was at, but I'll, I'll drop a link in the show notes. But uh, an Apple developer a while back, he was talking, it was probably at like some some network stack or something like that. He was talking about how he was building, how they rebuilt Siri and like the last, that's what they've been working on. They rebuilt the back end of it. Uh huh. So that's mainly where all the main work's going through. So iOS 9 is finally where they're working on the user facing stuff. Yeah. That makes sense actually because there's not there's been no real progress on Siri. So they've been working on it, I guess, on the back end. Well, Siri's been getting more reliable, which I guess is the important thing. You you have to have it work before you can start adding features to it. See, and I, I never use Siri. I, I still find it as like a gimmick. It's it's not like, I, I, like talking to my phone and then it responding to me is, is still not very useful most of the time. Well, that's why they're adding like the Google Now style thing where you can just check cards and all that. Yeah, yeah, that is more useful because that is automated. You don't have to you don't have to feed it questions or information. It does it for you, which is supposed to be the point, really. It's a personal assistant. It's not you're not supposed to feed it information. It's supposed to learn from you. Mm-hmm. Now the question is, how are they? The, the, there was a debate a while back about privacy and uh, user information being uh, synced back to Apple. And Apple was like, we, we, we're not interested in any of your data. We don't care. And we, we don't want to. So they're going to keep it local or they're going to sync between devices? That's the question. Um, they'll probably sync between devices, but they'll probably be just like an encrypted bundle. Like when you're restoring your phone, right? Yeah. That's sort of an Apple service, but that's just like some encrypted bundle that they don't have the key to. Right. So probably syncing it through that way. I mean, it's not it's not that crazy to think that they're doing like they're taking your location and doing all that on your phone to find out restaurants nearby. Yeah. I mean, they have they're sending data back to Apple, but. Maybe like say if it's looking up a location. How does it look up that location? It's looking up location using Apple Maps or uh, whatever it is using. So it, that is indirectly sending data back to Apple. If but I mean, if you turn off location reporting in Google Maps, right? Google Maps is still able to triangulate you and find out where you're at. So I don't think like it's that crazy to imagine that they're not sending. That they're probably sending back whatever the, like the minimal, like the mm-hmm. most, the least. At least the amount of information that they need in order for the product to work, right? Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, the whole privacy debate was kind of a bunch of rhetoric. It's just not. There's no real talk going on there. But we'll we'll, we'll see when it gets released. If it's. Well, I mean, the the interesting thing about Apple's privacy rhetoric, right, is that they they have like put in their advertising that we don't track you. But it's like the question is, does anyone care that they don't track you, right? Do like do do just regular people on the street care about tracking at all? Because I don't. You like you see the killer. Robot, I think it's like it's, it's, it's like about it's, Google, right? But it's, that's just like people like being a, crazy. It's like a marketing um, tagline. Like if when you ask people why they use Apple, they could say like they like privacy. That's like a. I don't know what the advertising term for that is, but that's what it is. Really. That's like a better. That's a better argument against Facebook than it is against Google, right? Because people are more aware of Facebook being this big thing that like tracks because it's a social network. But right. I don't think most people put one and one together when it comes with ad matching and all that and the yeah. Google's ad network. They're trying to basically paint Google as some sort of like 
uh, faceless be- like behemoth that just like eats your data and uh, sells it to advertisers, which is not how it works. But but I mean, I think there is a legitimate argument against tracking, right? Yes. You load up any any web page, right? And the amount of trackers on there is hugely ridiculous. I'm like I'm looking at iMore right now, and uh, <laughs> and that like any website really, it doesn't matter. That's just an example. But any tra- site you go, you have Google Analytics, you have ad networks, you have Facebook, you have Twitter, you have every other social network, because those sh- social buttons um, mm-hmm. are basically tracking beacons. And even way, too, if you're using something like Cloudflare or something like that, they also have a tracking component. Yeah, as well. yeah. So basically, if, if you're if you're you browsing websites, you you like unless you block every single, which some people do, I guess. But it's but speaking about blocking though, in iOS side and OS ten, yeah, El Capitan, Safari has content blocking now. Yes, yes. Which is which is interesting how uh, how they're sort of playing that. So. The, there was a blog post about how some sites are ridiculous with with their with their JavaScript and their uh, trackers. That is one way to save battery life because really, like if you try to load a web page on mobile and the ads are a majority of the bandwidth use, really. That's, that's why I don't like browsing websites on mobile because it's just not very pleasant. Especially if you're if you're like unfortunate enough to get because I know Google right now they're piloting uh, uh, something that converts Flash to HTML5 ads. Yeah, so you have all those fun animations just turned into CSS loading on your phone. <sighs> yeah, and it's, um, it's it's using bandwidth. It's using battery power, and because because of the smaller form factor, ads are sort of like they're more in the way so when you're trying to read something it's they're more in your face because of the small screen size so if you try to say close like a pop-up ad that you might accidentally actually click on it because of the size which is uh, not not nice so I suppose that is all we can talk about Apple like there's nothing much there's Apple watch well Apple watch eh, I don't know the sales are dropping so I mean, the sales are, I, I don't know. I think, I think, numbers. I'm not sure if that's actually a big deal or is if people are just, people who are interested in the watch already bought it, so there's like no more. I mean, look at it like this way, right? Like um, when the iPhone came out, Apple had to drop the price on it once, maybe two times in order, <laughs> and it didn't even start picking up until the 3G and the 4 came out. Right. So, so like a slow, a slow launch for a brand new product category from Apple is something that's not... It's not too crazy. <laughs> it's happened before. Yeah. And all the reviews are probably suggesting that people probably should hold off until the next generation of of devices because first generation devices are always like you're an early adopter if you buy them. Really. Well, I mean, even too, the um, Apple Watch reviews all are really similar to like the iPhone reviews where people that like, kind of didn't know what to make of the product. Yeah, and the, the, user, the user interface is vastly different and some stuff is not as fleshed out or uh, feels like it's not finished. And battery life also, well, the battery life is... Battery life is better than most Android Wear watches if you've seen those battery life tests. Even yeah. with a smaller battery. Yeah. It it depends heavily on how much notifications you get and uh, how much you use that watch. All right, then. So Apple Watch is 
we'll just conclude that it's a first gen product and it's it's, it's not as selling as Apple. I mean given Apple's track record it's probably going to blow up yeah like, it's probably going to blow up when they release the next version of the device next year so what are we talking next we're talking about Twitter apparently well we're, we're talking about things that don't make money so we should move on to Twitter uh, is Twitter making money because it's a public, it's a public company? So how are their shareholders dealing with the fact that they need a new CEO? <laughs> uh, Twitter has been improving revenue, but they also have not like Twitter's been having a high churn rate, and now it's at the CEO right. But before yeah. the executives in the last like a year and a half have just been coming and going. It's been a rotating door, right? Uh, that cannot be good for the share price. Like, what is the share price at right now? Like. Twitter share price. I mean, why is it a public company in the first place? Do, do we know? Was there a reason? It's going up, actually, this share price, by the way. It's, it's going up because they're announcing they have a new CEO. Uh, <laughs> That's why it was driving the, it. The trend was it, it picked up really hard this morning and dropped back down. But I, I don't really understand stock markets that well, so I can't really say why that is. But I mean, the thing is, the Twitter is outside there. They're falling into the same kind of trap Reddit is. But I mean, they're, they're going about it the smart way, where they're actually building tools to help uh, moderation and that kind of stuff. Where yeah. it's like, what? They have like they have, they have a really hostile community, right? They haven't done much to build out the core product. They've been doing like weird things, like and they their onboarding process is terrible, right? So it's like the same thing as Reddit. Um, I mean, at I, least Reddit has like the default subreddits, right? But on yes. Twitter, you make a new account, it's mm-hmm. like, what do you do? Yeah. I mean, their revenue stream is basically ads and promoted content, which uh, works, I guess. But Well, I mean, the thing about Twitter, though, is that they figured out how to... Um, it's like a single identity, right? They, yeah. can, they can track you from your desktop to your phone and yeah. know... You know, if you're looking at something on Amazon or your desktop, they've been able to figure out how to put it on, how to show it to you on your phone mm-hmm. when you're checking the Twitter app. Yeah. So Twitter's ad network is pretty nice. They bought companies about it the, to help them improve it, right? Right. And I mean, Twitter ads are okay, I guess. I get somewhat relevant ads on on, on my phone on the Twitter app, which is which is nice, I suppose. Relevant ads are always good. I mean, it's Twitter. It's people have been talk like there was when they started killing off uh, the API limits with and started killing off third party apps, which is when this really started to push the monetization of, of, of apps, like their default apps. Because stuff like TweetDeck, which stopped working for me, by the way, I don't know, I can't log into it. TweetDeck's owned by Twitter now. If you use the web app, yes, yeah, I know it's owned by Twitter, but it stopped working for me like a couple of days ago. I can't log in, but you don't get ads in that. By the way, there is no ads in, uh, even though it's owned by Twitter, there are no ads in the web app. You don't get ads. All right, so yeah, the, um, it's with Twitter though. It's that they just need to grow their user base, right? Because they're still sitting at under ten million people who use it. Maybe it's around 50 million. I think it might be 100 million. Let's let's check this number before I start talking out of my ass. <laughs> Twitter 
Twitter's just having problems monetizing. And I, I think it's either it's going to go two ways. They're either going to find a CEO who realizes what they need to focus on is product growth and not doing weird stuff like Periscope and Vine. Okay, Periscope. Okay. Um, Periscope is actually, I find it an interesting idea, and it's taken off quite well, actually. For, uh, but, but it's not, but like what revenue would be generated for Twitter itself? Vine doesn't have ads. Periscope doesn't have ads. And Twitter's core product is just a little bit, like there's nothing really awesome about Twitter right now. But awesome, the best thing about Twitter is their community, right? Yes. Yeah, and they've been neglecting improving the, those tools, like better blocking and all that for a while, which granted they've been improving recently. But <laughs> yeah, they, they recently introduced uh, block lists, I think. That was what was the feature. Blocklists are hella useful, man. Yes, yes, I agree they're useful. Especially to certain crowds on, on Twitter, which I don't follow. But I, I mean, like, the Twitter is bad, though, because, like, people who blocked you, right, they could still tweet at you, and then there'd be some weird way you'd still be able to see it. Yeah, like which, a, is, which is really weird, because if you block them and they still mention you, you shouldn't be able to see the Again, notifications or see those. Yeah, Twitter... Twitter's like, so, like, if they fail, right, yeah. it's, they're going to be, like, the company we all point to when we say, when we talk about the Valley Bubble. <laughs> and then, but if they don't fail, right, and they actually manage to to get somewhat near Facebook-level growth, right, yeah. then they're going to be, like, the one who made it out of the bubble, right? Because Twitter yeah. is, like, just a product of, of a VCs overhyping the companies and overhyping their valuations and all that. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I mean, when Twitter was really small back in the day, it was really, like, a fantastic community. It's, it's all about the community. Like, it's... Then you really need to build on that sort of, like, community. Kicking developers out of the community, like, Twitter developers who develop apps, was not probably not the best idea. But it was a necessary move, though. They needed to start monetizing because they were trying to go public. Yeah. And if you have a, I mean, apparently the use the numbers for people who use the uh, third party apps is low compared to the overall user yeah, base. Yeah, I, I would say that's but, right. Yeah. But they still, I still think it's necessary. movies. for example, when they bought, um, they have you know of companies who push out Twitter data, right? They analyze it. You can buy yeah. reports and all that. Yeah. They bought a company that does that now, and now you can purchase those directly from Twitter, and right. they closed off all access to that data from third parties. Yeah, that's uh, that's the thing. It's not. It's they're sort of like they want to provide all access to the firehose, basically, which is which is what the data is, like analytics, and uh, that which ties in directly into their ad stuff. So, all right, then Twitter is not that interesting. So we should probably move on to uh, our our favorite, the all-knowing overlord. Uh, Google, of course. So you mean we're going to move moving on to someone who can actually make money from ads? <laughs> so that, that's they also, have been making. That's money also questionable money. right now, as you know. They have, they have been making. That's their main business. That's their core um, sort of ad AdSense ad mob. Stuff. Yeah, but the the CPMs, the click rates, and all that have been going down recently. I mean, monetization on mobile. I think what they're trying to do with um, Android really is sort of like an indirect monetization or sort of like a lock-in thing where they, they lock try to lock in into 
the Google ecosystem. So you have stuff like Google Photos, Google Drive, all the other Google services, stuff like Google Now, you know? Well, yeah, what they're trying to do is avoid the doomsday scenario, which is right, because in China, absolutely no devices ship with uh, Google Play services, and a yeah. good majority of the ones in India aren't Google-based as well. So like their doomsday scenario is that Android blows up as a platform, but people start buying devices that don't have Google services, right. or they're just another player, like how they are on iOS, and they're unable to... Uh, to monetize properly. Yeah, is- which is why they, they've been pushing the Google Play services angle very hard because they've mm-hmm. been making more and more things into Google Play services, which makes it sort of like if you want to use Android, you, you basically have to use Google Play services to have like the best experience, right? Like, so- for example, they announced the uh, Eddieville, I think it is. Ars Technica had an article about it, which is like their open source iBeacon replacement, right? Right. It is Eddie Stone. I'll drop a. I'll drop that link in the show notes. And so, what that is essentially, right? The base platform is open source, right? Like Android, but yeah. any of the good, any of the APIs to use it are all in Google Play services, right? So, so they're making it much more of a pain for developers to actually build into their Bluetooth-based beacon stuff. Uh, speaking of Google Play services, at people that don't like to use it what about our new our favorite phone company OnePlus. plus one plus is using google play services what are you yes. talking about are, are you just trying to make a joke about one plus because that was bad yes. bad bad thing that was, that. yes that was a terrible joke but one plus two you know the, the their new device i don't even want to talk about one plus they're not that important of a company they don't they only sell to nerds which i guess they're like Okay, you know they're they're like Asus and like Asus's motherboard business. The nerds love it. There's like heated debates about it, but in the grand scheme of things, no, there are no heated things. debates about motherboards. Well, unless you count Renault. I mean, Renault is special, but really, and, and it's not a thing. Like you go to like subreddits, like build a PC. Like you don't really get really heated debates about. Well, I mean, that's because it's a saturated market. But back in the day. Sure as hell, there was a bunch of arguments. Uh, it's, it's just it's it's not important. OnePlus is not an important company. They're not doing anything important. Yeah, you can buy a phone with a, a ROM on it, but besides that, it's not that that great. Right. Like cheap hardware that most consumers are never going to buy because they only sell online, mm-hmm. and only if it invites system as well. It's a company made for nerds by nerds. I don't see it. Yeah. Well, expanding anytime soon especially cyanogen as well they want to like fight off google right and have their own place for google play services that's yep. great but where's the hardware for it i don't no one cares about your software unless you have great hardware and even then look at windows phone right that's mm-hmm. not blowing that has amazing hardware for the price and that's still having issues blow up so i don't all these home grew homegrown like community-based things like that's all great but you're selling to the wrong audience yeah you want a bunch of nerds to like buy your phone then great but if you want to actually if you want to have like your phones being sold in carrier stores or sold in walmart or sold at best buy where people still go to buy phones and <laughs> having then advertising that you don't that you have an alternative to google play services is not mm-hmm. the way to do it because like if you look at the one of the cyanogen ads right yeah there's there's showcase feature was a girl adjusting a dsp equalizer on her phone like that's not like what like even most nerds don't mess around with the DSP settings on their phone, right? Equalizers are not. Uh, it's a very uh, niche sort of thing to be doing. I don't know why they would show that in an ad. That makes no sense. 
you know, like advertising your phone can play FLAC files and they don't sound and they sound better than MP3 is like, well, great. I, I guess for like the five people who have phones with, or SD cards big enough to use that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just I think the Android market is just uninteresting right now. And like the best way, though, right? It's getting to the point where it's becoming saturated. Each phone is just becoming more incremental. Right. I think which is sort of to be expected at this point in the life cycle of, of OS and of a platform, really. I mean, like nowadays, it's it's like the PC market where it's like every upgrade is sort of like incremental, not but, very... But unlike the PC market, though, no one's making money except for Samsung. The big OEM, Samsung. Um, Samsung, Apple has 92 percentage of uh, profit share, right? And then this is... LG, right? So HTC's um, recent financials, yeah, they're they're not doing so well. Which is, LG's doing okay-ish. The Chinese companies are all doing all right in China. They're yeah. doing incredible in the U.S. And Samsung which is, is having moderate success. Samsung is really the big daddy. So it's HTC is really like sort of floundering at this point. It's with their phone business. It's really. The one M nine is, I mean, it's not that fantastic of an. It's not a really an improvement over the M eight, is it? Uh, the one M nine is the. It's. Um, I remember one of the writers for Android Police posted an image. He basically photoshopped it onto a Kanye album, and it was eight <laughs> tens and heat break. <laughs> with an ATC one M nine being in the middle of the heart, which I think is apt. It's. It's. it's this, this phone's not. There's nothing spectacular about it. The camera's still bad. Um, and the A10, the A10 has been a big, big source of debate because, um, because Qualcomm is like, oh, our chip is, is it's fine, it's, it's it doesn't overheat, it doesn't uh, run too hot all the time. Well, I mean, now it doesn't because they released a, a revision of it. Suddenly, yeah. that doesn't heat up anymore. They but, fixed the, but, the, issue. but the marketing damage is done, right? So it's basically like, I, to, to nerds, I guess. But I don't think I don't yeah, think regular people regular people who are buying like a what M nine, they're not gonna know. They don't know what a processor is. Yeah, they're not gonna pick up this phone and be like, "Oh, this is toasty." Like that's not gonna happen. No, yeah, they're not gonna be like, "Why is this toasty? Why is there what chip is in it?" So it's so toasty. It's not. It's not a thing. It's only like a very niche discussion topic within even more niche social network. But speaking of stuff that Google is not caring about, Google Plus. Um, I feel it's probably going to die within the next two years, or it might be left to burn like Orchid. Either or, I'm not sure. But <laughs> is Orchid, I do know yeah, Orchid, Orchid shut down last year. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I heard about that. But or so Orchid like, is big. It, it, it used to be big in India. Yeah, it was like Brazil and India, and that's the only reason why they kept it alive. But, I mean, what's really going to happen is that they're going to strip it for all the good parts. So Hangouts already been pulled out. Photos has been pulled out, and maybe some collections, maybe, and some other stuff they might strip out. And then after that, it's going to be left to language because the user, the numbers for it aren't that great. They've already demoted it from the Google uh, app menu and like every Google web page. It's, yeah, it's going to die slowly, but I mean, there's nothing. I mean, it never they, took off. They, they yeah. never put enough resources. I mean, the, the people get tired of the meme that Google Plus is dying, but I mean, yeah. the signs are not good. There's there's no good optimistic. There's no statement from Google like they're working on some big update or something or anything really.
collections collections was the last feature they announced right so yeah so like I, what the problem is that they missed the boat on because like the only reason facebook like people really care about facebook or is because of publishers right because facebook pushes a bunch of publishing traffic and that's where all your friends are at so like those those two things because like right now facebook is trying to become a uh they're trying to become a more of a newspaper right where you that's where you go to get your news mm. and updates from your friends right google plus is still just like yeah if you like you you like you like uh you like anime or manga or you like games we got we got some pages on that like they're trying to compete with tumblr and facebook at the same time right they didn't beat tumblr because tumblr is the best for niche communities right because they mm -hmm. have an amazing amount of content creators and right you have facebook where everyone you know is at and they were trying to sit somewhere in the middle and they didn't beat either of them at their own game <laughs> exactly and that's the thing it's just it's very very niche because there's just this stuff like why would you go to google plus there's no depth defining like sort of uh feature that gives gives an advantage over facebook google twitter sorry facebook and twitter and uh what else is there even linkedin like linkedin is like you could call linkedin a social network i suppose it is and i mean too like most people probably use it because it was um any, it would help boost your SEO rankings if you had articles in there and stuff. But then even then, Google stopped doing that. They demoted Google Plus from uh, from influencing Google search rate, uh, ranking. So there's no there's no even if you're like a you know hashtag SEO brand man like that's not you can't you, you go to Facebook on your brand. Yeah, you have to go, go to, to Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, Facebook is too large to not ignore that way. BlackBerry. <laughs> Speaking of companies that are um, not do not doing so well, our, our favorite Canadian company of the day. Blackberry. I don't I don't get what's so important about BlackBerry. They have their BES stuff, which arguably is the best. Like it's, a, it's their the, best product. It's the best, but what happened is they're, they're losing traction. With, well, yeah. So they so they did the smart move, and it's integrating with uh, partnering with Google to integrate. But is, is it too little, too late? Is it the mind share is already gone? No, because I mean they're going to pull an IBM and just pull out of the consumer market. Probably that's fine. I don't think BlackBerry is going to die, but I think their time for any sort of relevance in the consumer market has faded and waned. But that's perfectly fine. I mean, an Android BlackBerry device with BlackBerry stuff integrated into it would be great for your for your like CFO or something like that. Dude who still really wants a keyboard, but I mean, it's not not never going to pick up in the consumer market, which is fine. They'll just sell some. They'll do some volume licensing, sell that out, and they'll make some money. They yeah. probably have to cut even more even more jobs, I guess. Mm -hmm. but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really they've really been ignoring like they sort of like have their fingers in the ears, so hoping that um, their BlackBerry OS is going to be like some sort of their loyalty is. The people who are loyal to BlackBerry, even it's just <sighs> well, it's, it's just it's not. It's BlackBerry. Is just I mean, like what's what's a more interesting question, right? Is like which plat which new platform is going to crash first, BlackBerry's platform, Chrome OS, or like Windows Phone, right? Because those are all <laughs> like been things. BlackBerry bought QNX back in two thousand ten. Chrome OS right. has been a thing since two thousand nine. It's been shipping on machines. Or 2010, I guess, with 2009 when the CR48 hit, 
and Windows Phone has been since 2010 as well, I believe. So like, which one of these? None of these platforms have taken anything, right? But like, no. if especially if it like Chrome OS, right? Right. It's like Chrome OS and Windows Phone are like Google and Microsoft probably don't need them in the long term. In the short term, I mean, but in the long term, they're probably integral to their strategy, right? Because like, you can't ignore mobile, and Google can't ignore a desktop platform. Because even if the desktop is dying, they sure in hell love you to be using theirs while like this while the ship is crashing, right? <laughs> when like Windows 10, right, and all those are like just trying to get you more on, or even to OS 10, El Capitan. There's a feature where like if you just spotlight when I search the web, it does rich searching and has cards in it. Mm-hmm. Like all they're all trying to attack if you you go into a web browser to search for stuff, right? Right. And so that's a play that Google needs to have, but it's not building any revenue right now. They're not. Uh, Chromebooks are only selling to like education. Some businesses are piloting them. Education is probably the biggest market for Chromebooks, to be honest. Yeah, but like that. But once you need to get to any sort of like content creation and all that stuff or anything advanced, you still have to hop back onto a Windows machine or so, OS X machine. Yeah, basically. So I mean, it's gonna—they're gonna find. I think they'll find moderate. I think BlackBerry is gonna crash and burn. Maybe become a, just a third-rate Android OEM. With some really which nice be, enterprise which really, stuff, which would be really sad because um, it's really like a, like a death of a brand, sort of. I mean, the BlackBerry brand in itself is just. To people um, listening right now, if you're wondering why he's going on about BlackBerry when no one really cares, he's Canadian. <laughs> that's it's really I don't. It's 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 national pride, I guess. No, I'm. It's a Canadian tech company. It's one of the more. Um, famous tech companies from Canada, I suppose. And if it dies, it'll be this second big Canadian company, tech company to die since Nortel. So... Oh, yeah, wasn't Nortel bought out by Sprint? Actually, Nortel was bought out by somebody. And I... I can't... um, Or bought out by somebody. I don't remember. Nortel did phones, right? Did he do no, Nortel, Nortel is a networking giant. It was, okay. it was a networking giant. He just used to sell switches, phone, the phones as in like uh, business phones, like VoIP phones. All right, I'm um, thinking of Nextel. Sprint bought Nextel. No, which is that's where they different. Got their, yeah, that's where they got that walkie-talkie feature that like mm-hmm. got ported over to Boost Mobile. Man, I remember those. It was like the where are you at? This is a while ago. That's not the point. But yeah, Nortel, I'd never heard of Nortel before. No, Nortel is, is another, it was a big, like, um, they before when networking the internet was not so big. You had you had players like Cisco and Nortel with the big players, until Nortel sort of died off. Thank God. Yeah, so Cisco is now the big player in that industry, really. Nortel wasn't bought out. Nortel just filed for bankruptcy. Yeah, yeah, that's a. Yeah. I, I had some, as a professors for networking courses at university who used to work at Nortel. Uh, there's a lot of them apparently at my school, which is interesting, but so but, Google. But yeah, it's like Google in just like a nutshell is that they're, the, the, the doomsday look is that they fail to monetize mobile because cheap Chinese OEMs come in and take the U.S. market by storm, which is very likely, right? Because, I mean, you is had it, Japanese, is it, is you it had, actually you've likely? Had, you've, had, you've had Asian, I mean, in the U.S., right? Because, I mean, in China, they've already have no marketplace. They're fighting for it in India right now, but Android One hasn't taken off as much as they'd like to. It's like the U.S. and Europe, right? But, like, mm-hmm. that's already been, like, TVs, for example, right? You have the Japanese TV companies who came in 
took over the American market. You've had it happen with vehicles to a certain extent, right? So, like, it's very likely that that once Chinese companies get really good at making phones, like Xiaomi, right? Yeah. If Xiaomi finds a way to break into the U.S. market and have a good advertising and have their phones in actual stores and not just purchased online, then there's a very good chance that they're able to come in and just outtake any any uh, American OEMs or any or Google or any of those companies. I still don't see that happening very soon. They're very localized, and the way the market is very localized, I don't see them really. I mean, they're trying to, but it's not really like a, doesn't seem like a very concerted effort. I think I think they will. I think it's going to be Xiaomi, and I think that within the next decade, it's going to happen. But and I don't South America also, I guess, is is the market. Well, South uh, Xiaomi's already in Brazil, right? So they're already working on South America. Hmm. But speaking about companies who can't break into the mobile market, we have. <laughs> we're, I think we should end with Microsoft. And yeah. Like, um, like let me let's just start with the doomsday scenario, which is Windows Ten crashes and burns. The PC no, that's, market. That's not. Like, well, like hold on a minute. Let me let me let me go through the entire doomsday scenario. <laughs> you have Windows Ten it crashes and burns. People don't upgrade their computers. People don't buy Windows phones. PS4 keeps out selling the Xbox. People keep switching to iPads and Chromebooks and Android phones and Android tablets. Windows market share keeps on, stays the same, but the overall desktop market share keeps plummeting, right? So the only people who are left is business. Microsoft has to leave the consumer market and pulls an IBM. That's like, that's the doomsday scenario. That's, 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 that's like, um, stuff like that just doesn't, that's like. That's, that's, what, that's what's on every tech blog. <laughs> it's like that's, this, that's, this is why I don't read tech blogs, you know, really. I mean, Ars Technica is okay, I guess. The Verge. And, but Microsoft, they have one failing platform. Yeah, but like it's a whole entire domino effect, right? Because if you can't pull off a mobile, no, I don't think up. that's. I don't think that's true. I think Microsoft's other platforms are strong enough on their own and have strong enough, uh, strong enough, uh, mind share and uh, branding power, sort of like Xbox and Windows. Windows isn't going anywhere. Trust me on that. It's, well, yeah, it's not going anywhere, but it's it's about relevancy, right? Because it's people are like, if they miss out on mobile, right, then they miss out on the Internet of Things. Because the Internet of Things is going to be because it's, it's, it's not the same thing. Windows. Well, no, I mean they can they can make Windows Ten obviously work with Android devices and that, but people OEMs are most likely have a lot to go with HomeKit, Apple solution, right, or Google's own Internet of Things solution, or whatever company comes up with a really amazing platform. There's a good chance it might miss because it's. Because you need the phone, right? You need the phone to control the, the your internet of things. And if you don't have the phone that's on running your own platform, then you should become another player. And it's a hell of a lot easier for people to the, for OEMs to make their stuff work at Google's platform if everyone's using Android phones, right? See, see, what are you saying right now? Is the Internet of Things market is highly fragmented right now, which is horrible actually, because it needs to get standardized. Really, there needs to be a sort of like a player who introduces a standard or like a like a governing body like the uh well, i mean there's a bunch of standards right now and that's what they're all competing for each other mm-hmm. so like samsung's uh smart things i think is their, their internet of things company they just have a big box like it's like a router looking device that just supports every standard yeah but see the problem is it's all fragmented like you can't buy like what internet of things device yeah that, that problem is going to figure itself out though 
sooner or later companies people are not going to buy certain products companies will die standards will die and some and eventually you're going to have one standard come out but there's a good chance it might be google or apple's right everyone has iphones and everyone has android phones and that's right. like that's the play that's the play it's a play windows phone needs to exist because microsoft needs to be relevant in other markets the phone you need to have the phone right that's like the entire point it exists because there's like no good business reason but in terms of just like general ecosystem you can't you can't ignore the phone no you cannot but how are they gonna make Windows Phone a thing? It's it's just, it's just I mean, with no... Windows 10, they're trying with the universal app platform, right? You make an app, you can port it to your Xbox, you can port it to your phone, and all that, and there you can port an Android app, you can port is, iOS app. But is anyone going to do it? Our developers gonna give a shit about that. That's the thing. More importantly, our existing Win32 developer is gonna just decide to rewrite their app as a universal app. Like, no. is photo is Adobe gonna be like for Photoshop? Be like, no. yo, let's just re-. no, they're not. No, because it's just. Microsoft, your mobile platform is just—it's uh, a sad thing too because they make really nice hardware, and the OS is also really nice interface-wise, I suppose. But uh, people are mad about Windows 10 because they're using hamburger menus, which I'm also uh, mad about. Why? why okay, please tell us. Please tell us why hamburger menus are so bad. Please explain. It breaks visual. It breaks uh, not visual. It breaks horizontal hierarchy, right? So like it breaks the hierarchy of the app. So because you have an escape hatch at any time where you can just jump to it. So like say for example, you you go down to the third let's say we're on Facebook, right? Right. So you go to you click someone's status and then you go to their profile. Right. And normally there'd be up buttons that jump back up to the uh, status and jump back up to your newsfeed where you came mm-hmm. from. But Brad instead you have an escape right. yeah, you have an escape hatch with the, the hamburger menu, you just gesture it out, and then you can just hop anywhere in the app, which really which I isn't the worst, right? But no. it, it, it encourages developers to be lazy. Because if not every developer is going to have a designer, right? So every right. developer, they're not going to think clearly. It, it encourages you to think, hey, why, does, why do I need to have really nice hierarchy in my app when I can just jump out at any time? I can just, if, my, if the users can just go anywhere they want in the app by pulling out this menu, then why am I going to have to, why should I prioritize having a clear and like good hierarchical navigation? And also too, it hides features and like statistics have proven, but like I will, I will drop links to a bunch of studies that show that engagement, users' time spent in the app all jumps down when you hide things in the nav drawer, and like the only main reason for using it is that it just makes you, it gives more space to your content. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I understand if you're using like material design where everything is like three uh, density pixels <laughs> thicker for no apparent reason. Yeah. Like, I, like for. Where like there's really where, like like material design focuses on the Chrome right instead of the content, so like I understand why you'd want to use one, but it's just it's better for everyone involved because like the other argument for it as well is like my app is too complex, I don't have enough room to make everything prominent. Then break apart your app, right? Like I don't think I don't think hiding it in a hamburger menu is going to improve the user experience. Nor do I. It's just it's all. Hamburgers is bad, and Microsoft's using them in Windows 10, and I don't like it. They're using it because I know why they're using it though. They're using it in Windows 10 on the desktop and on mobile because it encourages because it's a trendy thing, and it'll help have a. If you have an Android app, right? Android yeah. app most likely going to be using it. If you port over your Android app, it's not going to look that out of place because it has a hamburger menu, and the navigation is similar enough to Windows 10's on native apps. Same thing with iOS. A lot of iOS apps are also using it. 
What iOS apps are using a hamburger menu? Can you give me an example? Facebook isn't anymore. Twitter isn't anymore. But those those aren't apps that are going to port them. A lot of third party apps. Um, I'm Spotify. Spotify. I think Spotify. I'm launching the Spotify app right now. I think Spotify. Yes, uses. it does have a hamburger. RDO uses one. Bank apps use them. You can see it on the camera. Um, yeah, it has a hamburger menu, and I'm not sure that is a big deal with Spotify. I'm not sure if it's hiding features. Well, we know because, but I, I guess we've gotten to the point where maybe users like the Spartan menu, where users are just starting to figure out that that hamburger menu is where yes, they go for I mean, it's, it's, it's an established UI pattern or UX pattern. I mean, I'm just a, I'm just old man yelling at clouds here. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm just old man just yelling at these clouds. But I, don't I, don't, users, I don't like them. I don't think users are very stupid. But I don't think users are dumb at all. I just think that you, that's just bad design to hide things from people. If you want well, sometimes, a feature to be used, you put it in the front. Yes, which most apps do, and they hide the sort of like the non-important stuff. Well, for Spotify, they have search, browse, running, activity, radio, your music, and settings, and your username in the hamburger menu. So... I'm not sure if that is a big because all the main features of the apps is is right in front, except for the browse. The browse should be in the UI. It shouldn't be hidden in the hamburger menu, to be honest. But that that's all semantics. So back to the point though about Windows Phone. The thing is that they're like I think Windows Phone ten is like their last ditch effort. I feel like Satya, uh, Microsoft CEO, is probably like it probably has one more good one or two years. Of them trying to push it, because mm. too they laid off. They actually they they bought that Nokia acquisition, right? Microsoft bought Nokia last year for those who yeah. didn't know, and it's and they wrote down more than they spent on it, which is which means that somewhere along the line, like some money was just wasted and just lost, mm. and they laid off a whole bunch of people, right? And which is terrible, and they but they also they also. It's like right now, with their, with their hardware strategy is probably mm -hmm. almost as bad as their software. Because let, let me list off the top of my head the amount of phones you can buy right now. You have Lumia 4 series, the 400 series, the 500 series, the 600, the 600 XL series, the 700, the 800, the 900, the 1000, and the 1300, and the 1500. Mm, that's a lot of phone series. Which makes sense because all the markets are competing, right? Because say like in India or Bangladesh yeah. where you... Are from right. Okay. If you want the five, the four thirty-five, the five thirty-five, and the five forty, are yeah. priced at seventy-nine dollars US, eighty dollars oh, US, ninety dollars. So, so low, like, low. Argument, yeah, and like India, right? That kind of pricing makes sense because those yeah. are bigger jumps in prices, right? Right. So it makes sense. They're they're trying to uh, sell to different markets. They're trying to appeal to the low end market a lot, which is something I've noticed. But the thing is, it bleeds over into the U.S., right? So it's like someone's like, I want a Windows phone. Which one should I get? You're like, kind of like, well, I mean, you have to like stop and think about it for a minute. It really yeah. mucks up the branding. So what they're doing now, they laid off all people from Nokia. They're doing three phones, which I imagine is going to be the 640, like the the low-end, mid-range one, I guess. Well, yeah. there's two trains of thoughts. Right now, it's low-range, mid-range, and high-end, yeah. or low-range, high-end, and an enterprise edition phone. Right. So, so I don't. I honestly think they're going to do the low end, mid range, and high end, and not and and all those are going to have specific enterprise versions of it that you can just load onto it. 
I don't think they're going to do a phone directly just for enterprise. No. Because I think they're going to have like the low end, like the five series or the 400 series, I think six around. I think they're going to do it in gaps of two. Mm-hmm. So if you have 400, 600, 800, or 900, the 900 or 600 is going to be the high end one. The 600 is going to be like the mid range one. And they'll do like an XL version of it. So like it'll have a phablet version of each of one. Does, does Windows Phone work well in a larger form factor like that? Uh, yeah, it does. Because Windows Phone 10 adds the drop down thing and like an iPhone 6 Plus. Oh, I see. You double, okay. tap the, you double tap the Windows button and it comes down. Yeah. And the keyboard, you can move it anywhere you want around the screen. Wait, what? Yeah, you can detach the keyboard. Like it's key on Android phones. You can I... detach the keyboard from the bottom of the screen and move it around and resize it in Windows 10 on phones. Oh, okay. That is. It also has a virtual cursor, like you know the um, the nipple on ThinkPads. Yeah. Whatever that mouse is called, they have one of those, a virtual one on the keyboard in Windows 10. So I mean, it works well for it scales really nicely. But that I don't think that's a problem. The problem is still that it doesn't have Snapchat and people really need them pics. <laughs> it was just a sad thing too, right? Because you have an Instagram app, you have a Twitter app, you have Pocket Cast, you have a you have good YouTube apps that aren't there. No Google apps, which really sad. Yeah. Sad. Like there's a Google, there's a YouTube app for the Wii U, but not for Windows Phone. <laughs> like that's how that's how sad it is. Wii U, yeah. But so, I mean, all you really, all it's really missing is just a couple big apps. But it, it's getting better. I think it's, it's like how Android was around Android two point mm-hmm. You remember Marco Arment, that infamous, I'm never gonna write an ad, an instant paper app for Android because he went on about how like. Android isn't that important of a platform because it has no apps and all that. <laughs> and then, I mean, slowly, right? You First, then we got an instant paper app. Then you got Pocket Cast. Then you got Twitter's improved their app. Then you got a better Facebook app. They went native on Android. And slowly, Instagram came to Android. It was just... It was oh, like, remember when Instagram came to Android and... Um, iOS users are just like, it's getting all poor up in here. Yeah, like, see, like all these things are all... I remember your Twitter account. Oh yeah, I made a I made a fake it. I made a, a mock pair, a mock Twitter account, Androidogram, retweeting Android users being d bags to no iPhone users being d bags to Android users. That was a fun time. I even got mentioned on a few blogs because of that. But the the point being that the apps are maybe gonna come. I I think they are because there's already some there. So I think the apps are gonna come, and I think I think that, developers are sort of like, why should we port to Windows Phone when you can just do iOS and Android, and that's basically covers the entire mobile market. Well, yeah, if they port their iOS or Android app, the app's still on Windows Phone, so it's still a benefit. It's better than nothing, which is Microsoft's plan right now <laughs> for mobile. It's better than nothing. Because, <laughs> like, right now, let's see, what apps do I have on my phone? I have a 1Password app, which is official. Amazon apps are official. Kindle apps official. Uh, Facebook app is official. Foursquare is really nice app on Windows Phone and Windows 8 tablets. Interesting. Um, you have Hulu, Netflix, Crunchyroll, Instagram, Minecraft, Spotify, RDO. Beats Music had it out Windows Phone app until Apple killed it with Apple Music. <laughs> There's good RSS readers. Pocket Cast is there. Skype's there. Twitch has a... That's actually not an official Twitch app, I think. Is it official? I don't know. I think Twitch only has... Uh... Oh, that's not Android apps. Yeah, this one is unofficial, but it looks exactly just like an official Twitch app. You have Uber. So, I mean, like, the platform is it's getting there. That's the less, that's most of the apps I use on a daily basis. So, yeah, like, what, like I said, all they really need is Snapchat. Like, that's the thing. 
Like I genuinely mean it when like you need Snapchat and then like you're good. Well, does it have a Google Plus app? No, it doesn't. <laughs> there are no Google apps because people yeah, well, want to make them. Which is so which is there are more people using Windows Phone than there are people who bought Wii U's. In the world? Are you sure about that? Because somebody's going to call you out on 10 that. million people. There's 10 million Wii U sold, I'm pretty sure. Like, check that. Let's check this right now. I've, I know that Windows Phone has more. Has around 15 million, maybe 20 million. Let me check. Windows Phone user. Okay, let's I mean, check Neowin. Um, this is from Ad Duplex, these stats. When was this published? This article was published. All right. Then December 30th. I mean, the Wii U is sort of like... Fifteen percent of the world. What? Fifteen percent of the world is... Is it... I might have read that wrong. Yes, you might have probably. Actually, let's sort by date here just so I can get some more. Let's do the past month. But to be honest, Nintendo, uh, sorry, I mean Wii U, comparing the Wii U to a, a mobile platform makes no sense. Well, I mean, no, I'm, I'm comparing the Wii U to a mobile platform because the Wii U only has like 10 million units sold and Google made a native app for it. Compared to the user base of the Windows Phone, right? That's what I I'm saying. I think the Windows Phone thing is not a user-based thing, but rather some sort of vendetta or some sort of uh, political um, disagreement, maybe. Who knows? It's Google. Let's see. This... Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spend the entire podcast googling stuff, but I'm willing I'm willing to put this I'm willing that that's my <laughs> that's it. Out there. that's that's what I'm saying. More people have Windows phones than they have Wii U's, and there's still a native YouTube app for the Wii. Hell, there's a native YouTube app for the 3ds. How does that? What? I does feel it, like there is. It might be Netflix. How does the 3ds even have enough power to render video properly? Like, I know Netflix has a high def video, or it's yep. just like there is there is a 3ds app for the. I mean, there's a YouTube app for the 3ds, and you're telling me that they can't make a Windows Phone one? Yeah, I, I, as I was saying, I don't think it is exactly um, uh, a technical or like a user base issue. It's more maybe a political issue, something like Silicon Valley shit going on. Exactly, know? it's. Like my point being is that there's no real re- there's like a there's no reason not to like there's no actual reason for them to just not make apps for it which is whatever they they can make whatever apps they want I don't really care but it, it's that and Snapchat which are like all I'm the platform sh- needs Snapchat there's an official Vine app too like there's you don't have Periscope right so you don't have the latest hot Valley apps but you have most of the apps that are hot with the teens you know. You have you have millennials' favorite brands on Windows Phone, minus Snapchat, and that's all. That's that's the problem. So they're getting there. I think, I think it's going to get better. I think it's going to improve. 
I don't think the universal app strategy is going to pan out. I think that I think that it will pan out, but it's not going to be as popular, right? So like, no. I don't think I don't think everyone's going to hop on making an app for your Xbox all the way up to your desktop. <laughs> Speaking of Xbox, uh... Xbox Music got rebranded to Groove Music. <sighs> That's Actually, just, it's just groove. It's just groove now. That's just so bad. Uh, like, who comes up with these things? Like, I honestly want to meet the person. But I mean, it's better than Xbox Music. Actually, if you want to follow this around, SharePoint for Business is originally called Groove, which is now One Point One Drive for Business. So they just recycled names at Microsoft. I think that's what it is. <laughs> that's just lazy. That's just. Come on, you're a multi-billion-dollar company, and you cannot come up with a new it's name. It's still it's still better than Xbox Music because people you were just like, right? I don't have an Xbox. Why would I use Xbox Music? Though, though Apple Music is, we for, we didn't touch upon that. It's always well, on worldwide, twenty-four-seven. <laughs> Where iTunes is still a piece of shit. iTunes pretty good on, actually. Apple Music and iTunes is really weird. Yeah. Already my OS 10 using friends, they just kind of tacked it on. But it's whatever. The music industry is the music industry. Well, the marketing behind Apple Music is just like, there's not, nothing special really about the music services from a technical point of view. Like the features it offers is not something that I would be, switch, will be willing to switch from Spotify. But I think our Apple Music discussion should be for another episode when we have, when we go over all the music streaming services. Yes. But, um, yes. About another, about other faltering industries though. Next time on Two Shades Brown, we'll be going over the publishing industry and Facebook right. is more death. We just kind of right. glossed over Facebook today, but I felt that Facebook would be more proper for a discussion. You have to tie it in with the publishing industry because they're going, they're, they're, they're like, they're right next to each other. Right. Like we will be talking now. about native advertising and uh, what it means for journalistic integrity and whatnot. It's about ethics next week on <laughs> Two Shades of Brown. Thanks for listening in. All right.